0: Well, good morning, so good to see all of you today and to hear you lifting your voices. Uh, Thanks for joining us, whether here in Auditorium 1 or over in Auditorium 2 or online today. We're thankful that you have prioritized gathering with us. My name's Jason, one of the guys on the team here, and if you're our guest, I just wanna say a special welcome to you. Uh, On Sunday mornings here at Fellowship, we're uh, typically teaching our way through a book of the Bible. We just finished up the book of Ruth, Uh, Sometimes we do a short series on something and next week we're gonna kick off our summer series. It is entitled Here Is Your God, uh, a study of the attributes of God. And so we're really looking forward to that series kicking off next Sunday. Hope you'll make plans to join us. But uh, as our guests, I hope and pray that you've already found Fellowship Greenville to be a welcoming place. Uh, If we can answer any questions for you in regards to our church family, there's a guest center right out these doors here in our commons area. Also, uh, a newly formed guest center in the back of Auditorium 2. Stop by either one of those places after the worship service and uh, people would love to meet you and answer any questions you might have. And if you've been here for a few weeks or a few months or a few years and you're actually looking to get more plugged in here at your church, we love that. And so we have for you a Next Step Center, which is also in the commons area, a community group center out in the commons area uh, where friendly people would love to meet you and help you take your next step in actually being connected and plugged in here. Honestly, I have been thinking a good bit this week about Uh, being connected, and uh, here is why. Most of us would say that the past few weeks have been difficult on multiple levels, Uh, maybe on a personal level. I know that is true for so many of you that I'm aware of, and I can assume even so many more that I'm not aware of. And then, we've already alluded to it, but when you look around the world and you see what seems like this endless cycle of war and natural disasters and death and destruction and crime and injustice and evil, it's heavy. It's real heavy. Yet in the midst of all of that, being connected, and when I say that, what I mean is like true relational connection with a group, both large and small, of brothers and sisters in Christ. Being connected has been a huge encouragement to me. My intentional connecting with others is an ever-present reminder to continue to actually love God and love others in a world in which it might be easy to disconnect and retreat and live from a place of despair. Here's a snapshot of just this past week for me. A week ago Saturday night, my wife and I had dinner with one of our best couple friends. We regularly hang out with them. We travel together. Uh, They've been some of our best friends for 10 years now. It's a friendship built around the beauty and the hope of the gospel, and they encourage us to love God and to love others. I'm thankful for them. And then after dinner last Saturday night, last Sunday morning, I got up and I went and taught at Summit Cherrydale, where a good friend of mine was celebrating 20 years of pastoral ministry. And I looked around a room again, of brothers and sisters in Christ that I had known for 15 years, so many of them have encouraged me through the years to love God and to love others. After that service, I went out to lunch with my family, Boston Pizzeria, and I looked around the table, which each person was sitting there, and as I looked, and I, oh, everyone around this table actually has a relationship with Jesus. Those nearest and dearest to me in this world they remind me of the importance of loving God and loving others. Tuesday evening, I had a, my wife and I had another dinner with another couple. They wanted to share some of their story of grace with us, God's faithfulness towards them. And as I listened to them share, I was reminded how throughout their life, others had practically lived out in front of them loving God and loving others. Wednesday, I sat at lunch with the guys in my community group, just us fellows meet for lunch every, every month. We get together and we talk about what kind of dads and husbands and friends and coworkers we are being, how we're growing in Christ, where we need to grow in Christ and we spur one another on to love God, to love others. On Thursday night, I stood in a room of about 600 people and spoke at a baccalaureate for Southside Christian School, my alma mater. And I encouraged the graduates that evening as they take their next step in life to remember that no matter what happens in this life, their worth and their value are found in who they are in Jesus Christ, which gives them the ultimate freedom then to love God and to love others. I'm almost done. Friday morning... I headed to the golf course like I do every Friday with my three best friends to walk and to hit a little ball many, 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 many times, (laughs) but also to once again be reminded in practical and tangible ways to love God and to love others. All of that knowing that I was waking up today to get the opportunity to gather with all of you to talk and to fellowship and to serve and to sing, to give and to open up the scriptures and to remember, you guessed it, to love God and love others. Now I share a snapshot of my week, not because I want you to judge me for being way too busy Um, It's a really busy month for a lot of us. I think we can acknowledge that. I shared because these intentional relational connections with my brothers and sisters in Christ, they continue to play out in the midst of what seems like constant disappointment and disillusionment in the world we're living in, right? At the end of another sad week, as I look at the world around me, I am struck by the opportunity. I am thankful for the opportunity that I have, that we have, to actually live connected, to lean into true biblical community. It shapes me. It is part of my sanctification and my transformation. It constantly reminds me of the beauty and hope of the gospel to continue to love God and love others in a world that we find ourselves living in that is incredibly broken. And the intentionality in truly connecting and being purposeful in your friendships and relationships with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And not just that, those that you do life with that don't know the Lord. Well, that's the difference between doing church and actually being the church. And at this moment in time in human history, what an opportunity, yes? Like I've said it before, I'll probably say it a lot in the years to come. I'd just like to keep pointing it out. You could have lived at any point in time in human history. Yet the God of the universe so sovereignly chose for you as a follower of his to let your life play out at this point in time in human history. Which is unbelievable to me. Because it's such an opportunity for us actually to be the church, to in a a world of brokenness and despair, hostility, we have the chance to love God, to love others, to be the church. And I say continue to love God and love others and be the church because as I look around, my heart is so full and encouraged at what, it, what God is up to in our midst, like through the fellowship family. There are so many evidences of the Lord's kindness and grace towards us. And I'm praying that there would be even more as we are the church, as we intentionally love God and love others, as we are motivated by the beauty and the hope of the gospel towards transformation and sanctification, which plays out in front of a world that is watching, I'm praying, love for you to join me, for even more. To be the church in a I do church sometimes culture. To be the church in the midst of a broken need of hope world. If you have your Bibles, I would love for you to open them up this morning to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and as you turn there, uh, let me say this, uh, as many of you know, Matt's already alluded to it today, we have a Bible reading plan here. We regularly reference it and promote it and encourage everybody to be a part of it, especially if they don't have a regular plan for engaging the Spirit of God through the Word of God, and you can pick up copies of that plan out in our commons area today. Uh, you could also uh, get that online. And over the past week, many of us have been reading First and Second Thessalonians. And there's also a lot of us here at Fellowship that have groups, whether it be uh, our community group or a friend group, where we will regularly text what we're learning and processing through the word, like through the reading plan. Again, that's just, side note, like that's a piece of sanctification transformation. It's a practical way that many of us are encouraged and reminded to love God and to love others, to actually be the church. If you're regularly getting those kinds of texts from your friends and sharing those kinds of texts with your friends, it is this great reminder in the world we find ourselves running in. One of the groups that I have the opportunity to be a part of here is a group, the elders of fellowship. If you're newer to fellowship, we have 10 elders that lead and provide oversight and direction. And I wanna tell you something that you might not know. Just about every morning, there are text messages exchanged by the elders in regards to what we're reading with our church's Bible reading plan. And I, just, I was thinking about that as I was writing my message this week, and I just didn't wanna rush past it. Like, I know I'm newer. But I hope that you would be encouraged that the elders at fellowship are reading and studying the word and that they share, they spur one another on with that on a daily basis. Like I don't know where you're from, I don't know what your church background is, but I'll tell you this, it's not as common as it should be because it should be common, but it's common here and I hope that encourages you. The other day we were reading 1 Thessalonians four and there were a few things shared that intersected with what we've already been discussing this morning So I'd love for you to look at chapter four with me of 1 Thessalonians. Verse one says this. Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live in a way that pleases God as we have taught you. You live this way already and we encourage you to do so even more. For you remember what we taught you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. And I'm reading from the NLT translation this morning. Now I know we're not currently teaching through 1 Thessalonians on Sunday morning, so let me take just a moment and give you a bit of background and context, because it's always important when you're studying the Bible. Thessalonica, or Thessaloniki, or however you want to say it, was the capital city of Macedonia, which was a Roman province, modern day, it's in modern day Greece. And the apostle Paul had led a missionary team there. And Paul did what uh, Paul often did. He founded Jewish synagogue, and he started preaching and teaching And some people, both Jews and Gentiles, believed in Jesus. Now, you can read more of this story at your leisure if you're interested. Acts chapter 17 is where all of that unfolds. Um, There's a lot of interesting stuff that happens there. Also, Acts 17, in this story, you will read about Jason. That's right, biblical name. Uh, So you just learned something. I did too. It was much later in life when I realized I was in the Bible. I feel like mom and dad should have told me earlier. Anyway... I mean, my brother's Joshua. Like, I knew that one. it's pretty strong. And then, like, when I'm 13, I go, I'm in there? Huh, what a thing. <laughs> there was some upheaval that was caused. Paul and his team had to flee. But Paul was obviously and rightly concerned for the new Christians there. And so, after a few months, he sent Timothy, uh, who was a part of the original missionary team, back to minister to the new Christians in Thessalonica, And then Timothy gave an update to Paul on how everything was going in Thessalonica. And what we have here in 1 Thessalonians is Paul's written encouragement back to the church there when he's gotten the encouragement from Timothy. And as you can see in these uh, first couple of verses, Paul's pretty encouraged by the report that he had received from Timothy about how things are going, especially for such a young church. Another of the texting groups that I'm in is with my best bud, Matt Rexford, and he made the point that it's refreshing to read something from Paul to a church where he's not seemingly having to correct everyone all the time, which he does in many of his other letters. That's true. But did you catch what Paul said to them? Look back at verse 1. We urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live in a way that pleases God, as we have taught you. You live this way already, and we encourage you to do so, there it is, even more. So Paul, right out of the gate here in 1 Thessalonians 4, he does three things. He reminds them of what he had taught them when he was with them, and he was with them for just a short few weeks. He then takes time to affirm them for walking in a way that actually shows that they do love God. And then thirdly, he calls them to do that, walk in that way even more. You're living in a way that pleases the Lord, Do so even more. Or, as the New American Standard Bible says, I liked it, it said, walk and please God just as you actually do walk, (laughs) that you excel even more. Like this is an encouragement from Paul to those in the church to continue to grow. It highlights the progressive nature of our walk with the Lord, it's an encouragement towards our continual progressive sanctification. Or even more. Uh, verse three says that. Right, look at verse three. God's will is for you to be holy. That word could also be sanctified. God's will is for you to be sanctified. So God desires for you and for me, for us, to grow and to change and to be sanctified. And what I love about this is it's, a, it's a positive encouragement. It's not a you better. It's not a try harder. It's a positive encouragement. It's rooted in the very character of God, his holiness, love God. Earlier in chapter two, Paul had said it this way. We exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Isn't that great? Paul says, you have been called. So, We talk about it a lot around fellowship if you're new with us, this whole idea of gospel motivation. And I've already alluded to it once. I've talked about it once. We're gonna talk about it again throughout the morning. Like this idea of what it is that God has already done for us in Jesus Christ is the motivation for all life change, transformation, sanctification, continuing to walk with the Lord. Any other type of teaching that would tell you that God's gonna love you more or like you more based on what you do for him is a legalistic theology that will wreck your life. So what he says is, continue to walk even more in a way that proclaims that you love God because you have been called into his kingdom. And while the idea of holiness and sanctification here is is broad enough to encompass all of Christian life because your Christian life's not compartmentalized, Paul actually focuses his attention on sexual morality if you look back at verse three. And I know we've got kids in the room with us today, so just real quick to the parents, no worries. We're staying, we're staying G. So this is what it says. So stay away from all sexual sin, then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God and his ways. Never harm or cheat a fellow believer in this matter by violating his wife, for the Lord avenges all such sins as we have solemnly warned you before. Verse seven says... God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. Therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching, but is rejecting God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. And again, we'll hit pause there for a second. Context is critical. So the sexual ethic conversation would have been a very important one for the church in Thessalonica uh, May I can say it this way? Anybody saying yes to following Jesus in this Greco Roman society found themselves in a culture that said yes to any and all types of sexual activity, not just tolerated it, encouraged it. So for them, for these Christ followers, them growing in holiness, the ongoing process of sanctification, the walking out of loving God would be about purity in an impure culture. Now, when we teach through 1 Thessalonians in the future, I'm sure we can unpack this a lot more. But I would quickly say there is application in this regard for us today, yes, yes. And maybe on a personal level, this is very practical and applicable to you. Like as you think of loving God and walking with him, you know, you know that purity is something that he desires to grow you in, to transform you in, to continue to sanctify you in. Maybe you would say, as you look back over the last six months, six years, 15 years, whatever the case may be, that this would be an area of your life, purity, where the Lord has, is continuing, but has been transforming you and sanctifying you. So maybe for you, the reminder this morning from the Spirit of God through the Word of God is, excel even more. Keep going, not because He's going to love you or like you more, but because He loves you. And truth be told, in this moment, you could think of other areas of life that the Lord, for you personally, that the Lord would like to continue to transform you and sanctify you in, right? And I'm okay with awkward silence, so let's stop and do that for just a second. Think about it. Where is the Spirit of God saying, pressing in, and going, want to continue to change that, want to continue to sanctify that? And again, I know it's not all compartmentalized into these buckets, but I also know that we're different and we're not all the same. You see, there's a story of grace that we all have and there's a common thread that runs through all of our stories of grace. That common thread is Jesus Christ. After that, your life and my life look really different. So you could be sitting here today and going, yeah, I know that he wants to shape all of life. He wants to transform all of my life. And you could also, by agreeing with that, also be saying, but there are these areas, one, two, three, 17, I don't know, that he is wanting to press in on. Or areas that you would sit here today and go, I'm so thankful for how he's changed me. He is transforming me. I see the growth. Other people have actually commented on seeing the growth. Like that's one of the beautiful parts about being in a community group. Right? You do life with people, walk with people, observe people. What? Changing, transforming. You listen to stories of grace You observe stories of grace in front of you as you do life with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You celebrate that and you spur one another on. Like when we get together as guys and we talk about that kind of stuff or when we get together as couples and you listen to couples talk about one another and you say, this is how the Lord's changed my wife. She's not who she was. That's transformation, sanctification even more. Love God. And vice versa. And kids who talk about their parents. I could, I could hit a tangent right now and take 15 minutes to talk about how I've seen my dad grow and change. He's not who he was. There's an even moreness. ness that's real sweet. So I don't know what that is for you. But I hope that you listen well to the Spirit of God through the Word of God, because the Spirit of God through the Word of God wants to continue to press in on those things. Walk and please God just as you actually do walk, that you excel even more. Paul's not done, though. He's not talking about just loving God. Look at verse nine. But we don't need to write you about the importance of loving each other, for God himself has taught you to love one another. Indeed, you, have, you already show your love for all the believers through Macedonia. Even so, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you to love them even more. Right? So great two little verses. A little paralypsis, if you will. My wife's an English major. Threw that in there for you, babe. I don't need to write you about loving others, although I'm still going to write briefly about loving others. It's such a pastor move. That's what he does right there. It's fantastic. Paul affirms them and encourages them in regards to loving each other even more. You are loving others, love them even more. But again, it's here again. I, I want to point it out. You notice how their love for each other has grown. What does he say? God himself has taught you to love one another. How about that? The process of sanctification, the process of transformation, motivated by the gospel. So think about with me if you would. How would God have taught them to truly love each other? By loving them. It's gospel motivation, which leads to loving God and loving others. So God is love. God has shown you love through redeeming you through Jesus. Therefore, God himself has taught you what it looks like to love one another. 1 John 4 says it this way. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God for God is love. Gospel-motivated sanctification. Love God, love others even more. The result? Well, that's a group of people being the church. Now, I think, for me personally, maybe you can relate. I think at times it's easy to hear, maybe read scriptures like 1 John there and here in Thessalonians, and mentally go, yeah, 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 I agree with that. But I wanna encourage us, because we've got the time, I wanna encourage us to take a moment and honestly evaluate your intentionality, my intentionality in regards to our gospel-motivated sanctification. And question number one right out of the gate would be this, is your transformation sanctification gospel-motivated? Like, just as you think about it, do you find yourself growing in the Lord Because of the beauty of who God is through Jesus Christ. Or at times, do you still try to process through, he will love me more or like me more if I do X, Y, or Z? Like I know I need to change. I mean, I'm not happy with how things are going and my spouse isn't happy and I know my kids aren't happy. Like my coworkers, I get on the, so I know there's things. I know I haven't arrived. But what's the motivation for the change? What's the motivation for the sanctification? How do you hear the words even more if you're operating from the premise that he's going to like you, love you more? The only way that even more makes sense and actually works is if you understand you are loved and you are cherished by the God of the universe through Jesus Christ. Is it gospelly motivated? And then I think another question to think through is, is transformation or sanctification taking place in your life through actually loving God and loving others? What I alluded to a few moments ago about life in community group, like how are you changing? How is it observable that you're changing and growing? And if so, what does the encouragement here from Paul to even more practically look like for you? not earning, because he already has shown his love for you. So just as Paul was encouraged by the report he received from Timothy, which led to so much of the encouragement he sent via verse Thessalonians to the church in Thessalonica, uh, I have been incredibly encouraged over my nine months back here at Fellowship Greenville to see so many people that are actually stepping into even more when it comes to loving God and loving others and being the church. I say this again because what we're talking about this morning, I think it's just a good reminder for us in a really great Bible teaching church and I Fellowship's a great Bible teaching church. There is practical, tangible outworkings of the theology that we learn and talk about here. I just want to keep coming back to that. It's not theory. It's not theology for the sake of knowledge. It's a theology that impacts the everydayness of our life. It has practical and tangible outworking. So when you see dozens and dozens of people being baptized, like we've celebrated over the past few weeks, adults and kids and students, I want you to understand that is a even more step for so many of them. As they publicly proclaim, what? I love God, I've been redeemed. He has redeemed me. And just in the last year, over 60 people here at Fellowship Greenville have taken that step of baptism. When I let you know that people are joining this local church, and over 140 people have just in the past 12 months, that is a even more step for so many that are saying when they join here, this is my place. These are my people that I desire to love them and serve them and grow with them. It's a statement of, I actually wanna be the church and I do church sometimes culture. When we share with you, and I will share with you right now, (laughs) that in the last 12 months, Over 475 new people have stepped into community groups here with 31 new groups launching. That is a even more step for so many that are committed to loving God and loving others by being relationally tethered and connected with their brothers and sisters in Christ at the church that they say they're a part of. That's a be the church even more statement in a I show up when it's convenient church culture. And that doesn't even count the other equipping things that we have here and care things that we have here that hundreds and hundreds of people are plugged into. When I celebrate with you that over 570 folks regularly serve in our kids ministry and our student ministry, That's an even more step of men and women women saying, I am going to articulate to these kids and students, love God, love others. And I'm not just going to articulate it by showing up on a regular basis and serving them and serving so many of you. They're actually living it out. The fact that in the middle of an economic downturn, we continue to meet our budget, fund ministry, launch new ministry, support our local and global mission partners, that is an even more step for so many of us that are living with our hands open and being the church because our God is a generous God, therefore, we are a generous people. And I run through all of that and then I wanna stop for just a second and I wanna say, because I just gave like numbers. They're not numbers. They're people. It's so many of you taking practical, tangible steps in loving God and loving others, even more being the church. And I'm so thankful for that encouragement, because I want to close by saying this, if I could be transparent before you today. I'm tired. I am, uh, I'm weary. The brokenness that is all around us, it does seem never ending. And at the exact same time, because I wanna keep reminding you of this, these tensions can live together. I have never been more hopeful excited, encouraged, as I observe the church being the church. As I see people going, I'm gonna love God, I'm gonna love others because of the love that he has shown me. I wanna be the church. I believe that God is sovereign in allowing my little story of grace to play out in his grand story of redemption at this point and this time. Jesus Christ, knowing full well the full extent of all the evil of this world, knowing where he was headed, that the cross was still before him, well, he said himself, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And love your neighbor as you love yourself even more. Would you pray with me? Father God, a lot of us spend a lot of time trying to get rid of tension in our life. A lot of us don't like it, have a hard time living in the middle of it. But I think for a lot in this room, we would just identify with feeling it in this season. Heartbreak, weariness, brokenness, the inundation of really sad information. And then at the exact same time in your kindness and grace, these, uh, these glimpses of your goodness, your kindness, yeah, really the evidences of grace brought to us by brothers and sisters in Christ who are living with a sense of intentionality and in the everydayness of their life. And just the call upon our lives to live in such a way, I pray that it would not be lost on the people in this room are joining us online today or over in auditorium too, uh, just the. Fellowship Greenville family. I pray it wouldn't be lost on the Fellowship Greenville family that before the foundation of the world you actually knew all the brothers and sisters of Christ that would be here in this moment, in this time for your kingdom purposes. (laughs) I pray that we would embrace that, that we would lean into that The encouragement from Paul would be an encouragement to us that we would walk in a way that pleases you, walk in a way that shows that we do love you and we do that from a place of being loved by you and that we would love others even more. For your glory, for your fame, for you are the only one that is worthy. Thank you for your faithfulness towards us in and through Jesus Christ. We love you. Amen.